we've been looking at the topic of righteousness. And like I said before, an understanding of righteousness is very important for a Christian, for a believer. When you understand righteousness, it opens up scripture for you. All the promises and realities in scripture becomes yours. In our first class on righteousness, we read over 90 scriptures, the benefits of the righteous, the promises to the righteous. Those are for you. If you do not know that you're righteous, it will not be possible for you to receive those blessings, to receive things from God. It's a backbone, just like your, your backbone holds your body up. If your backbone is weak, if your spinal cord is if your spinal cord is weak, you can't stand straight. It holds you straight, supports the body. Similarly, an understanding of righteousness, having a righteousness consciousness is very important. It holds you up. In the face of adversities, when the challenges comes, it will hold you up. It will ensure that you remain standing no matter what. Uh, let's go to... Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It starts by saying, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Say with me. Now, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does this mean? What is the meaning of this scripture? Remember, it's talking about now. Even though this was written more than 2,000 years ago, this is relevant right now. Like we saw last week, there are many present tense realities in Christ. This is one of them. Right now. It's relevant right now. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Say with me, no condemnation. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We understood the moment you are born again, the moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are immersed in Christ. You become the body of Christ. Your identity is Christ. And what is written here for those who are in Christ? There is no condemnation. What is condemnation? Condemnation is something that puts you down, makes you feel guilty. And that guilt consciousness prevents you from approaching God. It prevents you from receiving from God. We saw when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are righteous. What, what is righteousness? Righteous means to be in right standing with God, to be right with God. When God looks at you, irrespective of all your failures in the natural when God looks at you, he looks at you through the blood of Jesus. And whatever he sees is right with him. Hallelujah. When he looks at you, he looks at you through the blood of Jesus. What did the blood of Jesus do? Removed sin completely. Dealt with sin completely. Anything and everything that sin represents is removed by the blood of Jesus. He sees you through the blood of Jesus. Your born again spirit is exactly like Jesus. 
as righteous as Jesus. That's the part of you that got born again. Your spirit is what got born again. Your spirit, 2 Corinthians 5 says, is a new creation. It says, all things about your new spirit is of God. All things are passed away. That means removed completely. Everything about your brand new recreated spirit is of God. Exactly like God. As righteous as Jesus. Now, is there any condemnation in Jesus? No. Let's understand this a little further. Let's go to John chapter 8. We will be coming back to Romans 8. John 8 verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in, in adultery in the very act. All right, let's stop there for a moment. I want you to picturize this scene. Okay, let's be there. Let's transport ourselves to the Mount of Olives. You see Jesus there, all right? And what is the time here? Early in the morning, probably like where we are right now. Early in the morning, he came into the temple and all the people came to him early in the morning. And he sat down and he taught them. So they are having an early morning service and Jesus is there. And he's teaching them. I mean, imagine Jesus, the word himself, the word of God himself. He is there and he is teaching them. And then the religious people come, the scribes and the Pharisees. We know that they don't like him because Jesus despised traditional religion. And everything that he taught seem to be going against their religious culture. Meanwhile, he is the one who fulfilled everything the law demands. So now these people don't like him and they want to trap him. So verse 3 says, they brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Remember, it's early morning. It's early morning. When does adultery happen most of the time? When it's dark. So this woman has been caught in the very act. They say this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. That means right in the middle of it, she was caught. But you know that adultery does not happen with just one woman. There should be a man also involved. Where's the man? They didn't bring the man. They brought the woman. They brought this woman, caught in the very act, brought her before Jesus. Now, I want you to look at it from the woman's perspective. She messed up. Who is she? Probably a prostitute. Or, or someone who just fell in the trap. She was caught in the very act of adultery. Now definitely Jesus might not be preaching right next to the house where she was caught. Might be quite a distance away. So early morning. Early morning. This woman, caught in the very act of adultery, probably naked herself, dragged through the streets. Right? Now, according to the law, as you read further, it says, according to the law, they're supposed to stone her to death. Let's read that. 
verse 5 says, Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? They're asking Jesus. So this woman, she knows the law. She was caught in the very act of adultery. And she's being dragged through the street. And she knows, man, I'm done. I'm going to be stoned. That's the law. They know it. Imagine what she's going through. She messed up. She feels condemned. Oh, I shouldn't have done this. Oh, my goodness. Last night, I shouldn't have gone. Somehow, I should not have done this. Condemnation is there. She knows what she's about to suffer. And all the people spitting at her. They won't just royally bring her before Jesus. No. Probably naked or half naked. Pulled. Spat at. Condemned. She is being brought before Jesus. And they won't simply come and make her stand before Jesus. Probably pushed her down. Right? It says she was caught. They brought to him a woman caught in adultery. When they had set her where? In the midst. That means imagine people all around. In the midst of them, they set her. Probably threw her down. And she's right there. Before the Messiah himself. All right. Now verse 6 says. They said this testing him. So the woman is caught in the act of adultery. She is brought before Jesus. She thinks it's. The test is for her. She knows. The end. I'm going to be stoned. But who is actually being tested here? Jesus. So what did they say? They testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. To accuse whom? Jesus. To accuse righteousness himself. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. He just ignored them. He just stooped down on the ground and he started writing something on the ground. What did he write? I don't know. I do not want to speculate. I do not want to assume anything. Scripture does not mention what he wrote. It simply says he wrote something on the ground. Right? Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. He kicked the ball back into their court. He said, He who is without sin among you, Among whom? All the accusers. All the people who brought the lady here. He's telling them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. He who is among sin without you, let him. Him. That is addressing men. So imagine the scene right now. Probably a hundred men. And we know wherever Jesus went, multitudes gather, thousands gather. So let's come to a conservative amount, about 100 men all around Jesus, looking at her with accusing eyes. She's right there in the midst of them, feeling condemned, shameful, shamed, guilty, feeling guilty of what she did. 
cursing her own birth, knowing that she's going to be stoned to death. And now Jesus, he just ignored all the accusers. When they persisted, he just said, among all you guys, he who is without any sin, let him throw the first stone. Who are these people? Everyone born of a woman. Everyone came from Adam with sin nature in their flesh. Born with the sin nature in the flesh. Imagine none of them are born again. So every person knows they messed up. Verse 8, and again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And he just continued doing what he was doing before. Verse 9 says, then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Now, this is a very powerful scripture because it depicts a very powerful scene in the ministry of Jesus. That's why I wanted you to be there on the scene right now. It says, when Jesus said, he who is without sin among you. Who is he addressing to? The people gathered around them. All right. Imagine Jesus and the woman there in the midst and hundreds of people, men around them. He's telling them, he who is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And scripture says, they were convicted by their conscience. Did Jesus condemn them? No. Who condemned them? Their own conscience. Because suddenly all of them remembered their faults. They remembered what they did. And it says starting with the oldest. That means the oldest has a longer list. They started leaving one by one. One by one. Each one remembered their faults. And they just skip. They just disappeared from the sea. They were like, oops. He just put it back on me. I know what I did this morning. I know how I just looked at that woman right there in the midst. I know how I just looked at her. I know the thoughts I was just thinking. I'm just being real. And they started disappearing one by one. Beginning with the oldest, even to the last. That means everybody left. And it says Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. What does that mean? Including the disciples left. His own disciples, they left. Just Jesus and the woman. The accused, the condemned with the righteous. With the very righteousness of God. The accused. The one who was accused to the most. At that uh, moment of time. The one who was accused the most at that moment of time. The one who felt condemned the most at that moment. She is standing before righteousness himself. Just picture yourself there in the scene. And Jesus verse 10 says. When Jesus raised himself up. And saw no one but the woman. He said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Look at that. 
the whole picture changed. Who was being condemned first? The woman. Who was condemning her? The men around her. Now what happened? Those who were condemning got condemned. And they left. They left the scene. Now she is left there with Jesus. Jesus asked her, where are those people who condemn you? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. She said, everybody's gone. There's nobody left here to condemn me right now. Imagine what she is going through right now. The moment she started seeing those people disappear. She's like, they're all leaving. What's happening right now? What's happening right now? I'm supposed to be stoned to death. See the situation changing. Imagine the, cha the, the change in the scene. That woman there, right now, in the midst of hundreds of people, she's looking, looking up, looking at the crowd. And she sees them. She sees the crowd thinning out. People leaving one by one. Till the last. It's just her and Jesus. And then he rose up and asked her, hey, where are the people who will condemn you? Isn't there anyone to condemn you now? She said, no one, Lord. And what did the Messiah reply? He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He said, I don't condemn you either. I'm not here to condemn you. Go and sin no more. He set her free. Where did he set her free first? In her mind. Where is condemnation coming? In your mind. When you do something wrong, as a righteous person, why did you do that wrong thing? Because your thinking was messed up. You, you allowed yourself to think wrong. And based on that, you did the wrong thing naturally, physically. Now what happens? That action that you did is condemning you in your mind. It is not condemning your spirit. Your spirit is righteous. Your spirit is as righteous as Jesus. It's condemning your mind. And that is hindering you from receiving from God. So when Jesus told her, neither do I condemn you, where was she set free first? In her mind. Trapped in condemnation in her mind. He set her free. He said, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. He empowered her with the grace to go and sin no more. Isn't that amazing? How would you feel if you were in that situation? How free would you feel if you were released by Jesus himself at that moment? I and mean, you would be very grateful. Bible says in Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If yesterday he did not condemn the woman caught in the very act of adultery, he's the same today. 
She was caught in the very act. Imagine if they had newspapers, social media at that time. Imagine hundreds of people with, the, with their phones, mobile phone cameras, going live on Facebook, Instagram. And she's being paraded right there in the midst of the crowd. They'll show a selfie of themselves, then point it to her. The newspapers, live. How would you feel if you were there in her position? And how would you feel when Jesus tells you, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. My brother, my sister, he's the same today. He does not condemn you. That's why Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If Jesus is not condemning you, who is there condemning you? If you feel condemnation, who is it that is condemning you? The devil. It's the devil. Now let's go to the book of Revelation. Revelations chapter 12 verse 10. I'll, uh, I'm reading from the New King James. It says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Did you read that? It says the accuser of our brethren. Who are the brethren? You and me, believers. There is an accuser of the brethren. Who is he? The devil. He is the one who accuses you. He is the one who brings condemnation upon you. Based on your thinking. Remember, the devil cannot affect your spirit. Once you're born again, your spirit is right. Your spirit is seated at the right hand of God the Father in the heavenly places. He cannot accuse your spirit. Your mind. You committed the sin because of wrong thinking. And your mind is there. There is a barricade in your mind that is condemnation. That stops you from going forward and fulfilling the plans and purposes of God. That barricade has to be removed. How? Through 1 John 1 9. He says, you confess your sin. He's faithful and righteous to forgive you of all unrighteousness. All, all means what? All, everything, anything and everything that unrighteousness represents, he forgives you of all things. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. Even if you're caught in the very middle of the sin, he says, hey, I don't accuse you. Go and sin no more. I give you grace. I give you grace. Hallelujah. He's the same. It's the devil who accuses you. He traps you in your mind. He keeps throwing accusations at you. He says, day and night, day and night, day and night, he tries to throw those accusations at you. The Greek word for devil is diabolos. It means someone who is throwing something constantly, 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 till it penetrates. That's the meaning of that word, diabolos. It is not actually his name, it's a job description. Diabolos. That's what he does. Constantly throwing something, throwing something, throwing something till it penetrates. 
He keeps throwing accusations at you, accusations again and again, over and over, till it penetrates your mind and creates a barricade of condemnation. That's the devil. That's why 1 Corinthians 15.34 says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. And sin not. Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. What does he do? What did he give to the woman? He said, go and sin not. I don't condemn you. He gave her the grace to not sin anymore. Go with me to Romans chapter 5. Verse 20 says, Moreover, the law entered that offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It says, when sin abounded, grace much more abounded. And what does grace do to you? Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. That's what grace does to you. It gives you the ability, it teaches you, to deny ungodliness, worldly lust, so you can live soberly. That means in the right man, mind, in the right mind, and righteously and godly. Where? In the present age, in the midst of all the distractions. That's what grace does to you. There is no condemnation. Grace will not condemn you. Grace brings you closer to God and teaches you how to live righteously. That's true grace. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So go back to Romans chapter 8. We're not done with it. There's a lot in there. Verse 1 we read, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Why? Now comes the important part. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. I'll read that again. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. There are two laws mentioned here. Two laws. One, the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Second law, the law of sin and death. Two laws that are operating in the world that govern two different systems. The world system operates under the law of sin and death. The kingdom of heaven operates under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Two separate world systems operating under two different laws. I'll repeat, the whole world system operates under the law of sin and death. What is this law of sin and death? How did it come? It originated through Satan, through Lucifer. When he disobeyed God, he was separated from God. And when Adam disobeyed God, he became a partaker of that law. The law of sin and death 
entered the world system through Adam. Entered through Adam. Now let's go, keep your finger there. Let's go to Romans 5, verse 14. It says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Look at that. Death reigned from Adam. From Adam. That means it started from Adam. The law of sin and death entered the world system through Adam. Hallelujah. You're getting this? And says it's even over those who didn't sin. That means all those who come after Adam. Hallelujah. Verse 15 says, For if by one man's offense many died. Again, look at that. By one man's offense. Whose offense? Adam's offense. Adam was the person to whom God gave instructions. God told him, you shall not eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Tradition would like to point the finger at the woman. They say it was Eve who was the reason behind the fall of man. But scripture here says through Adam. Eve was not there when God gave instructions to Adam. Eve came later in the scene. God told him, you shall not eat the fruit of the knowledge or a fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But he was supposed to take care of all the trees in the garden, supposed to keep the trees, keep the garden. That means take care of it. But what did the woman say when the devil tempted her? He said, we are not supposed to eat the fruit of the tree, nor even touch it. God did not say you should not touch it. If you're supposed to keep a garden, my, my wife loves gardening. So you find her most of the time fiddling around with the plants, with the mud, with the plants, with the trees. How do you keep the garden? Hands on. So they're supposed to touch it, but not eat the fruit. So Adam gave her wrong information. Adam was supposed to teach his wife. He did not do it. Because he did not do it, she was deceived. The Bible says the woman being deceived sinned. Adam was not deceived. He did it knowingly, willingly. He was there with her, scripture says. And she gave the fruit to her husband with her. He was right there. He was with her. That means all the while when the, when the devil was tempting the woman, when the serpent was talking to the woman, he was right there. He knew what God told him. He knew the right instructions. He should have said, hey, serpent, you're not supposed to be speaking here. We are the speaking beings here. He should have recognized it immediately when a serpent is now talking. He should say, hey, hush. I'm in charge. I'm the one who speaks. I'm the one who gives the command here. You hush. Get out from the garden. He had complete authority. He didn't do it. Instead, the authority that he had, he bowed down and submitted it to the serpent. Instead of 
obeying the instruction that God gave, he bowed down his head and obeyed what the serpent said, thereby legally handing over all authority that God gave him to rule and reign and dominate over everything to the devil. He handed it over to the devil. You're getting this. From that moment, the law of sin and death started operating in the world system. Everything that you see around you operates under that law. Everything. It's subject to death and decay. Everything around you. It will start decay. You leave something for a while. You leave a building. You leave a house. Just like that. Don't touch it. Just leave it there. After some time, what, what will you see? Things start falling off. Things start crumbling. Everything. The whole world system is like that. Sickness and disease. Where does sickness and disease come from? It is based on the law of sin and death. It's, it's there around you. Why do people age? Because when Adam sinned, God said, cursed is the ground for your sake. That's Genesis 3. Cursed is the ground. So everything that came off the ground, where did your body come from? From the ground. Your body is subject to that law. That's why you age. That's the law of sin and death operating in your body. You age, sickness, disease, infections, poverty, lack, destruction. It's a result of the law of sin and death operating. But what does scripture say? Romans 8.2. It says, for the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. What did that law do to you? It has set you free from the law of sin and death. The other law, the law in which the kingdom of God operates, what did that law do to you? It has set you free. That means completely pulled you out. From anything and everything the law of sin and death can do to you. I want you to picturize this. Two laws operating in two different kingdoms. The world system operating under the law of sin and death and the kingdom of kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven operating under the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated or conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Read it again. Does it say he is going to deliver you? No. It says he has already delivered you from where? From the power of darkness. You are already delivered from the power of darkness. That means the power of darkness has no authority over you. You're delivered. What, what is the meaning of delivered? Okay. This marker pen. This marker pen is in my arms, in my clutches right now. I'm holding on to it. Right? Now, if someone comes and takes it away, this pen is completely delivered from my grips. That means, is it there anymore? No, it's not there. It's not there. Earlier, it was held here completely in the grips. 
Now, someone came, took it away. It's no more in my grip. That's what scripture says. You are delivered as past perfect tense from the power of darkness. And then it says you are translated or conveyed or moved into the kingdom of his dear son. What kingdom is that? The kingdom of heaven. So now where are you? You are no more in the kingdom of darkness. You're already in the kingdom of heaven. That's where you are as a believer. So what system are you supposed to operate or what law are you supposed to operate under? The law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You are not part of the law of sin and death anymore. Anything and everything about you is supposed to operate under the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You are completely free from the law of sin and death. That means by applying the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus, you can dominate over every circumstance. Now, for those of you who have flown in an airplane, do you know how a plane flies? There are two laws. One is called the law of gravity. That is a law that holds everything in place. Every object feels a pull to the center of the earth, a gravitational pull. You're attracted to the center of the earth. That's why I'm able to sit on this chair. Otherwise, we'll all be floating. You're able to walk steadily because of the law of gravity that holds you to the ground. Otherwise, there's no control. You'll be floating away. In space, there is no gravity. The, the gravitational pull of the earth is not there. That's why things float around. If a plane, imagine a plane, that's a big, huge chunk of metal. It has, it has weight. It is pulled down to the center of the earth. Gravity is holding it. But how can it fly? That's because it operates by a different law called the law of lift. The law of lift is greater than the law of gravity. That is what causes the plane to rise up. In spite of the gravitational pull, it causes the plane to rise up, overcoming the law of gravity. It's the same way how the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus operates. You are living in this world which is subject to the law of sin and death. Everything around you, your situations, your finances, everything tends to operate under the law of sin and death because that's in the world system. But you being a child of God in the kingdom of God, when you believe when you start speaking, you release the law of spirit of life to start operating in your life. You speak it, you release it. It supersedes the law of sin and death. Just like the law of lift supersedes the law of gravity. You rise up over your circumstances. You rise up over sickness. You rise up over diseases. You rise up over poverty. You rise up over lack. Over every curse. Say this with me. The law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death that is operating in the world system. Repeat it again. The law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus 
has set me free from the law of sin and death that is operating in the world system. When sickness tries to come over you, you say, ah, ah, the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the sickness. Cancer, blood disease, blood sugar, cholesterol, whatever it is, start speaking to it. Release the law of spirit of life into that situation. Say, I speak life. I speak life. I'm delivered from this. You have no power over me. I'm delivered from the law of sin and death. The curse is over. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I operate under the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Start speaking. Speak to that. Speak to that need right now. Whatever your need is, speak to that need right now. Let's agree right now. Speak to your need. What is the need that you have right now? Financial need. Speak to it. I speak to you in Jesus' name. I'm delivered from the law of sin and death. Lack operates under the law of sin and death. I am delivered from that. I'm set free from that law. The law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus is working for me. My needs are met according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The law of spirit of life. I release that law to work in my finances. Sickness and disease. Those having throat problems, infections, body pain, any kind of diseases. Speak to it right now. Say, I'm delivered from that. I'm delivered from the law of sin and death. Sickness, disease, infections, COVID-19, it's part of the law of sin and death. It operates on that, under that law. You're delivered from it. Say, I'm free. I'm set free. The law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. It has set me free from sickness, set me free from disease, set me free from COVID. Speak to it right now. Declare it. Declare the authority. Hallelujah. It is something that we have to do every single day. We cannot live under the law of sin and death. No. See, it's your choice. You have to take, you have to take authority. Just like that plane. As long as it is stuck in one place, it is subject to gravity. When does the law of lift come into picture? When the plane starts moving. When it starts moving. When the pilot makes a decision to push the plane. The engines start running. And then the law of lift is applied. Similarly, when you start moving, when you start declaring, uh, 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 I'm not getting stuck in this sickness. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to get stuck in this financial lack. No, no. I'm out. I'm out. Oh, now the engine is moving. Now you're moving. Now you're moving. As you start declaring it, as you start speaking it, the law of spirit of life will lift you up. It starts working. It starts manifesting. The truth is, you, your spirit is already working in that law. The law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. But the natural things around you, which is operating under the law of sin and death, it tries to force itself 
but you should re- you should resist it rebuke it say no no place my body is a temple of the holy spirit this body belongs to me jesus has purchased this G- jesus has purchased this body this body is the temple the dwelling place of the holy spirit so the law of sin and death cannot operate in this body my joints it cannot fail i do not permit joint pain i do not permit back pain no no the law of spirit of life is working in my body the same chapter romans 8 as you come down to verse 11 it says the same spirit that raised christ from the dead dwells in you and is giving life to your mortal bodies it says mortal bodies that means this body will die one day you have to leave this body it's a mortal body why because it came of the earth it's a mortal body but but when you release the law of spirit of life to work in you the holy spirit that is in you releases life to your mortal bodies whatever sickness it is speak the life of god it's the same spirit that raised christ from the dead remember this the same spirit that raised christ from the dead if he can raise jesus from the dead can't he heal your sickness is cancer difficult for him is blood sugar difficult for him is cholesterol difficult for him is a joint pain difficult for him i'm making you think i'm making you think come on we are logical beings the word of god is called logos that's the word from which you get logic your ability to think rationally it should come from the word of god think if the holy spirit in you could can raise jesus from the dead can't he heal your sickness can't he whatever pain it is speak to it now declare the law of spirit of life in christ jesus i am the righteous i'm in the kingdom of god i'm delivered from the power of darkness the law of spirit of life in christ jesus is working in my life i speak it i release it i'm being lifted up i'm set free from the law of sin and death poverty and lack is a result of the law of sin and death i'm set free all my needs are met declare speak to that credit card bill credit card bill is paid house loan is paid educational loan speak to it personal loans whatever it is speak to it declare it paid for you have the authority let the law of spirit of life in christ jesus work there release that law to work in your situation it's for the righteous it's for the righteous you need to speak it hallelujah let's go to romans romans chapter 8 we'll read verse 33 who shall bring a charge against god's elect who can put a charge against god's elect it is god who justifies justify means what just as if sin doesn't exist he has justified you god has justified you next verse who is he who condemns it is christ who died furthermore is also risen who is at the right hand of god 
who also makes intercession for us. Hey, look at that. Christ has risen from the dead. He's at the right hand of God. He's interceding for you. Where? Before God, at the right hand of God. When Jesus himself is interceding for you at the right hand of God, who can condemn you? When righteousness himself is standing at the right hand of God and speaking for you, say, ha, ha, ha. He's righteous. He's righteous. He's righteous. No condemnation. God does not condemn you. Hallelujah. Look at the next verse. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Can any of these things separate you? No. What are these things? These are the things that you go through in your daily life. They cannot separate you from the love of God. Those things, you're delivered from it. All those things, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril of the sword, whatever. They operate under the law of sin and death. You're set free from that. The love of God has pulled you, delivered you from that. Verse 37 says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Oh, look at that. You're more than conquered. He conquered it. You're more than a conqueror. He conquered everything for you and gave it to you free of cost. The free gift of righteousness. He said, take it. I conquered it. I gave it to you. Hallelujah. Next verse says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. A few years ago, COVID was not there. COVID has come, something else will come again, Set. nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. You are in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You are set free from the law of sin and death. You are the righteousness of God. You are the righteous. You operate under the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You are delivered from the law of sin and death. There is no condemnation for you because you are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Condemnation arises from the law of sin and death. It is that law that condemns you. The law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus does not condemn you. Jesus operated under that law. Did he condemn the woman caught in the very act of adultery? No, he did not. He's not going to condemn you either. This is affecting your thinking right now. All I'm doing is making you think. Reveal this truth to you. I want you to start implementing this. Believe it, speak it. You will have what you say. It is one of the bylaws of the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You believe in your heart and you speak. You will have what you say. You understood this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. Thank you that the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us completely free from the law of sin and death. 
there is therefore no condemnation for us because we are in Christ Jesus. Right now, no condemnation. Anything and everything that accuses us, we resist it. No condemnation for us in Jesus' name. We speak to sickness, disease, pain. We speak to you right now. In the name of Jesus, we are set free from the law of sin and death. We speak to lack and poverty. Every kind of need, we speak to you. We are set free. We are set free from you. All those things operate under the law of sin and death. The law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free. We are delivered in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I believe you understood this. It's time to take communion. Communion is an act of remembrance. One of the most integral part of communion or what the broken body did for you is healing. And today, I sense there is a requirement of healing. Something inside me. Could be for you, for your loved ones, maybe for your children, especially children and parents, old age. Let's stand in agreement. Let's stand in agreement. We'll be reading this in the next class. We'll be looking at healing for the righteous. Right? But I want to read a small portion of scripture from Isaiah 53. I'm reading from the Amplified. Verse 3 says, He was despised and rejected and forsaken by men, a man of sorrows and pains, and acquainted with grief and sickness. One from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we did not appreciate his worth or have any esteem for him. Surely, he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we considered him stricken, smitted, afflicted by God. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. And the chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Hallelujah. You are healed and made whole. Why? He was smitten, afflicted by God. Even though in the natural it was the Roman soldiers hitting him, it was God who afflicted Jesus. God put all the curse, all the curse written in, in Deuteronomy 28. The curse, because of the law of sin and death, it was put upon him. He delivered us from that. So by his stripes, you were healed. Receive your healing today. Receive that need met today. As you partake of this meal, let's remember that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Thank you that we can remember what the broken body and shed blood of Jesus has accomplished for us. We remember that. We remember that by his stripes, we were healed. We speak it over us over our bodies, over our children, over our parents, over our relatives, over our spouses. We speak, Lord. We speak. We release the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus to operate in our lives. As we partake of this meal, we call every need met, every yoke destroyed, 
every burden removed. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat and drink. Thank you, Father. It is done. It is done. We are delivered from the power of darkness. We are delivered. We are set free from the law of sin and death. The law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. <coughs> Thank you, Father. Sorry about that. <coughs> the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. We are free. Everything that comes under the law of sin and death, we are, we are delivered from it. We are set free from it. We release the law of spirit of life upon our lives, upon anything and everything that concerns us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Believe you understood this. You are blessed. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining today. Please do forward the links that I sent you to your friends. You can subscribe to our channel and uh, I'm sure this is a blessing for you and it will be a blessing for all those listening. Thank you so much.